Okay, if you are a guest with us, we are in a study of the book of First John. And uh, I will be putting points of the sermon and ancillary verses that I'm using in my sermon up on the screen. But the main text I'm preaching from will not be on the screen. And that's so that you will have it open in your lap looking at it while I'm preaching. So find a Bible if you want to borrow one of the pew Bibles in our uh, pews. It's page 680. But turn there, and we're going to read our text for today in just a moment, and keep it open in your lap, because through the course of the sermon, I'll be asking you to look again at one of the verses for a point that I'm making. I want to begin by telling the story of the father who was trying to talk with his son who was home for the weekend from college, and every parent in this room is going to be able to relate to the story I'm about to tell. The father says to the son, Well, how are you liking college? Fine. Now, how are your classes? Fine. Well, how's dorm life? Fine. How's the food out there? Fine. Have you picked a major? Yes. What is it? Communications. (laughs) You ever wish your kids would tell you more? Because I think the Heavenly Father wishes His children would say more as well. He wants us to be honest and open when we talk about our walk. God wants to hear us say what He already knows about our true selves. Because we serve a God who welcomes the confessions of Sinaholics. And so in 1 John, starting in verse 5 to the end of the chapter, we read This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, As he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned. We make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. Okay, here's the deal. Somebody is lying about sin. Somebody's not telling the truth. Now John has what I will call the biblical view of sin. And let me give that to you briefly. First is that we, as descendants of Adam, all have a sin nature. Sometimes it's called our flesh. We have a bent toward disobedience and rebellion. John refers to that in verse 8 when he says, if we claim we have no sin, and he uses the word in a singular form. If you claim you don't have a sin nature, you're deceiving yourself. Now, So you have a sin nature. And in second, that sin nature, sin, causes you to go commit particular sins. 
acts of disobedience against God. And then third, that God has made provision for your sin, verse 8, and your sins, verse 9, in the blood of Jesus. Now, I will call that the biblical view of sin. You'll get that view throughout all the Bible. (coughs) But there are many other views of sin. The Washington Post recently asked readers to respond to this question. Do you believe in the concept of sin? (coughs) Patrick wrote and said, yes, I do believe in the concept of sin. I'm a Muslim by faith. I understand what my sins and sinful decisions are. I ask God for forgiveness and try to make better decisions going forward. (coughs) And I hope that when it's all added up, I've done more good than bad in my life and am given eternal rewards when my life is called. Now, that is a very popular view of sin. It's not the biblical view, but it is probably the most prevalent view in the religions of the world that you do bad things, but if you will obey the precepts of this particular religion, whatever it is, you will also learn how to do good things. And the goal is to make sure at the end of life you have done more good things than bad things. That's one very popular view of sin. A man named Station writes in and says, To me, sin is something the church created to get people to behave the way they wanted them to. Now, this is an increasingly popular view of sin in a very anti-God culture. That sin is a notion created by legalists and by church people to get folks to conform to a certain standard of behavior and we just need to get rid of the whole concept because nobody has the right to say what's right and wrong for anybody else. Now this is another view of sin that is growing in popularity. A man named Peter writes and says, I definitely believe in the concept of sin because I'm a Christian or before I became a Christian, I used to deal with my sin by ignoring it. Now when I sin, I find immeasurable comfort in reminding myself that Jesus took the punishment intended for me as a result of my sin. Three completely different views of sin. They can't all be right. Somebody is lying about sin. Now Paul, I mean, excuse me, John is writing to a church that has been disturbed by some people that used to be in the church But they have left the church. And one of the reasons they've left is because they are making some very strange claims about sin. And John says what they're saying about sin contradicts what I taught you about God. If their view of sin is true, then God is lying. That's a pretty big charge. And so John does what you should always do whenever you're having an important theological investigation. And he goes back to the nature of God. Look again at verse 5. This is where you start. He says, God is light. (coughs) In him there is no darkness at all. And so, John says, write this down. Here's where we start. Because God is is light. He cannot make light of sin. Here's the problem with what they're claiming. They don't know the character of God. They want God to become more like a man. 
Instead of becoming more like God and saying sin is a big deal, they want God to be like a man and say sin is no big deal. God can't do that and still be true to his own self. Because God is light. And light and darkness simply cannot mix. You have never heard anybody say, that light sure is dirty. Light cannot be dirty. But light can reveal what is dirty. And that's what creates the problem. Listen to what John put in chapter 3 of his gospel. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. You see, haters of the light have two choices. They can either try to extinguish the light or they can try to excuse what the light has exposed. Now, Jesus' critics chose option one. They extinguished the light and put him on a cross. John's critics chose option number two. They said, we are going to redefine what the light has exposed and called sin. They said, we can have fellowship with God. We can walk with God. And we can also walk in what you call the dark side. And this is an extremely prevalent view. And it hurts the church. I am every week amazed to meet Christians who believe they can have fellowship with God and walk in the dark side. I remember talking to a single mom and a man from our church, and she wouldn't name him, came and he wanted to help her some around the house. And it turned out what he really wanted was sexual favors. And she's a pretty new Christian. And she said, I thought we weren't supposed to do things like this if you're Christians. And he said to her, don't worry about it. My relationship with God is solid and tight. Now, if I knew who that man was, I would be on his porch tonight. And I would rebuke him and I would tell him, repent, leave the church, or I'm going to ask the elders to disfellowship you. Those are your three choices. You say, you can't do that because he'll take you to court. I'd rather stand before an earthly judge than stand before the judge of the universe and explain why cancer wasn't kicked out of the church. Because listen to me. Look at verse 6. Look at it. What it says. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. You cannot know God. And do what opposes his character. You see, John is writing between, to tell us the difference between real Christians and bogus Christians. And he says, unlike bogus Christians, real Christians want to lighten up. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 5. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. We walk in the light because that's who God is. And what does it mean to walk in the light? Well, let me share with you the rest of our teaching what it means. Here's number one. 
It means agreeing with God's definition of darkness. You have to start here. The word confess means to say the same thing as. So if you're confessing a sin, you are saying, God, I call that what you call that. And so it starts with agreeing with God's definition of darkness. Now, we've all been to baseball games. We've all heard that loud, obnoxious guy that sits behind the plate and constantly disagrees with the umpire's call. Even though he's 500 feet away and the umpire's right behind the plate, he knows better than the umpire what's in and what's out. Right? In the Bible, God is the umpire. And confession is agreeing with his call. But sadly, many people feel qualified to say, well, that's just not how I see it. My wife, some years ago, had a Bible study with a young woman. At some point in the study, she said, what do you say about Jesus? And she said, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. My wife says, do you want them to become a Christian? She said, no. Why? You think Jesus is the Son of God? She said, yes, but I just don't agree with him about some of the things he teaches. You hear that? He might be God, but he doesn't get to make the call. We have an amazingly imaginative number of ways to challenge God's call. One way is blaming. It's not, and this is what Adam and Eve did. It's not my fault, it's her fault. It's his fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my teacher's fault. It's my coach's fault. I'm a victim. It's not darkness. I'm a victim. We change the call. Another way we do it is comparing. Oh, that's not dark. You want to see dark, you ought to go see what my neighbor's like. Now, you want to see dark, you ought to know what my mother-in-law's like. You ought to see what my parents are like. You see, we're always saying, God missed the call. Another way we do it is renaming. It's not perversion. It's an alternative lifestyle. It's not prejudice. It's just having strong convictions. It's not gossip. It's just sharing information so more can pray. We challenge the call by excusing ourselves, by saying, well, if you knew my circumstances, and if you just understood all the pressure I was under, then you would know that I had no choice but, and you fill in the blank. Now, here's the deal. John says, you can't have fellowship with God except on God's terms, and God doesn't renegotiate. God's never going to sit down with you and say, okay, if you will stop these two things, I will stop calling the rest of this darkness. He's never going to do that. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. (coughs) Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the terrible anger of God comes upon all those who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For though your hearts were once full of darkness, now you are full of light from the Lord, and your behavior should show it. And so, 
Walking in the light begins by letting God decide what's dark. A King Frederick of Prussia was visiting one of his prisons in Berlin one time. And as he walked down the hall, all the inmates were coming up to the bars and screaming, I'm innocent, I was framed, I'm a victim, I'm not guilty. Except for one guy sat on his bunk. And the king said, sir, why are you in this prison? He said, armed robbery. He said, are you guilty? He said, yes, I am, your majesty. I committed the crime and I deserve my punishment. King Frederick said to his uh, assistants, you release that guilty wretch at once before he corrupts all the good people in this prison. God wants you to agree with the call. And by the way, do you know what the darkest thing of all is according to God's call? Failure to love. That's why the whole Bible could be summed up in two commandments. Look at 1 John 2, 9. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. And so I've got to start right here by asking you this question. Have some of you been playing loose? With God's definition of dark. Now think about that for a second. Have you been trying to redefine what God in the Bible has for centuries called dark? Walking in the light is agreeing with God's call. Second, it means fleeing any darkness that God exposes in me. Now sadly, a lot of Christians... Want to flee the light so they don't have to deal with what God has exposed. Say, how can I flee the light? Well, you stop reading your Bible. Because David said, your word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. But when I read your word, I get convicted of darkness. And so I don't want to go through that. So I just stop reading your Bible. That's one way to avoid the light. One way to avoid the light is stop hanging around Christians. Stop coming to church, don't get in a small group, and never ever give any other Christian permission to ask you how you're doing in your Christian life. That's a good way to avoid the light. Another way is to learn to ignore the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Because we've all had the experience where something inside was saying, don't go there, don't speak that, don't say that, don't do that. But you wanted to so much that you just turned that voice down. And you can train yourself to become deaf to the Holy Spirit if you want to avoid the light. Another way is just to never give yourself a personal spiritual exam. The Bible says examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. But you don't have to. You don't have to ever stop and say, am I a stronger Christian today than I was a year ago? Am I growing? And these are all ways that you can avoid the light so that you don't have to deal with darkness. See, darkness can't overcome light. You know that? I don't care how dark the room is. Turn on a flashlight. Light always conquers darkness. And so, if you want the darkness in your life to stay there, stay away from the light. But if I'm walking in the light, I'm going to see the darkness that God has exposed through His Word, through His people, through His Spirit. I'm going to agree with the call. And then I'm going to decide to deal with it. Because life in the light isn't just confessing sin, it's striving to conquer sin. Now, John's not talking about perfection. He's not saying we're ever going to get to the place where we never sin. He said we're going to get to the place where we hate sin more and more. He's not talking perfection, he's talking direction. 
He says there is a walk that is produced by the new birth that distinguishes between real and bogus Christians. <coughs> Look at 1 John 3, 9. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. John says it is inconceivable that you have received a new nature from God and then when a pattern of sin shows up in your life, you don't deal with it. If you have a pattern of sin in your life that you're not even wanting to deal with, John says, I question whether you've been born again. You see, we're not just justified. We're being sanctified. We're not just learning how to manage sin. We're learning how to put sin to death. George Matheson, great old Scottish preacher, came to Edinburgh and began to preach and there was an older woman who'd been a member there for years, very poor. She lived in this dark, filthy, dingy old cellar. <laughs> Some months after Matheson had arrived, an elder went to visit the old woman. And he couldn't find her. She had moved. He finally found her. She had moved up to an attic. And even though there wasn't much in there, it was clean, it was light, and it was airy. And the elder said to her, I see that you have moved. And she said, I, you cannot hear George Matheson preach. And live in a cellar. You cannot. You cannot. Have fellowship with God. Be walking in the light. And stay. In filth and darkness. Look at what Paul says in Romans 13. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So don't live. In darkness. Get rid of your evil deeds. Shed them like dirty clothes. Clothe yourselves with the armor of right living as those who live in the light. Is God asking you to take off some dirty clothes today? You say, well, ain't nothing's being exposed in my life. You must not be walking in the light. You walk in the light, the light exposes what you need to deal with. If, if you're not dealing with anything, if a Christian can walk up to you and say, where are you trying to grow in holiness and you don't have an answer? John says either, number one, you're deceiving yourself, or number two, you're calling God a liar. Sinaholics never stop confessing. And by the way, there is a difference between confessing and admitting. And everybody who watched ESPN this week knows what I'm talking about. Alex Rodriguez admitted, but he didn't confess. That was damage control is all that was. No, confession is something very different. Confession, write this down, it means being honest to God and others about my life. You see, John's critics were saying, I don't have any sin struggles. And their claim bordered on blasphemy because it Implied everything God did in Christ was unnecessary. You see, like other addicts, you can't help a sinaholic until he admits he has a problem. The prodigal son saw the light the day he stood up and said, I have sinned against my father. The mark of a real Christian is not sinlessness. 
It is sin consciousness. It is walking with God in such a way that any time you step out of the light, you are aware of it and you're grieved by it. And you want to come clean in order that you can be clean. Verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he will purify us from all unrighteousness. And by the way, I think confess means more than just tell God. Edward Heath serves in the parliament in England. He says he was in a washroom one day and an editor of one of the London newspapers came in. Now, a few days earlier, the editor had just blasted Heath in an editorial. But he comes into the washroom and sees the young member of parliament and apologizes. He says, you know, I've been thinking about what I wrote. And I've decided I was wrong. And I apologize to you here and now. And Edward Heath said, very well, but next time, I wish you would insult me in the bathroom and apologize in your newspaper. In the New Testament, the word confess means go public. It's the same word that says if you confess Jesus before men, he'll confess you before the Father. Nobody in this room would say confessing Jesus means you just tell God and you never tell anybody else. So what does it mean to confess my sins? It means I get honest to God and to you about where I want to grow in Christ-likeness. The Bible says, James 5, 16... Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Why is it good to tell God and you how I want to grow? I tell you why. Number one, I've got to surrender my pride. See, I I can tell God about my sin and still be proud. I can't tell you about my sin without humbling myself. God gives grace to the humble, not to the proud. The other thing, you see, is that when we talk to each other about how we want to grow and where we struggle, we invite the support of the body, which is one of the ways that God sheds light into our lives. You see, the church, and I know if you're a guest today, you may not think so because you might think we all got it together. The church is just an assembly of recovering cineholics. We all share a mutual need for grace. We all have a common hope for cleansing. See, the last thing John says is that walking in the light means seeing the faithfulness of God in the blood of Jesus. Verse 9, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Do you see what he did? He started with the character of God and he ends with the character of God because it's always about understanding God your cleansing isn't based on your character that's what the other religions teach if you'll just do enough good things to offset the bad things you'll be okay with God Christianity says it's not about your character it's about God's character his faithfulness and his justice and God has made a promise and God cannot lie And the promise is, if you will be honest with me and uncover your sin, I will cover it with the blood of Jesus. My grandmother took her little granddaughter to the park, 
And she was so enamored by this plane. It's one of these sky riding planes that was writing letters in the sky and messages. And you've all seen that. And you know what happens. After a few minutes, what happens? The smoke begins to dissipate and the words begin to vanish. And she was totally perplexed by this. But finally, she said, Grandma, I think I've got it figured out. God must have an eraser. And the Bible says he does. And sin that is exposed and erased is never exposed again. Because I want you to understand something about your God. When we live this way, and by the way, can I confess every sin I've ever committed? No, I, I can't even remember every sin I've ever committed. I can confess my sinful bent, and I can confess the sins that God opens my eyes to see. But when we live this way, walking in the light, and we stand someday before the great judge, I want you to hear this. He is not going to say, see there. He's going to say, there's nothing to see. Because that's who he is. 1 Thessalonians 5. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until that day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God who calls you is faithful. He will do this. (coughs) I'd like you all to stand with me, please. (coughs) I want you to bow your heads. And I'm going to pray over you. And after I finish my prayer, I want you to continue to keep your heads bowed. And I'll explain why after I pray. Father, now I pray in Jesus' name over this great assembly of your people. Father, are there some bogus Christians here? Probably. But I I believe, God, that almost everyone here wants to be a real follower of Jesus. They want to walk in the light. And even though, Father, we may have consciously or unconsciously trained ourselves to avoid the light, we are here this morning to be exposed, to be real. A real Christian's not afraid to be real. And so, God, we, we confess our sin nature. We confess our propensity to disobedience. We confess, Father, that we have a tendency not just to disobey, but then to see if we can rename the disobedience so it doesn't look so dirty. But we confess it. We want, Father, we want to walk in the light. And so now, God, I'm going to ask you to come and And speak to our hearts and help us to listen for what you would say in Jesus' name. Amen. Now just keep keep your heads bowed. I want you to finish my prayer. And I want you to pray, God, is there any darkness right now in my life I've been avoiding? Just this past week, God revealed some darkness in my life. I'm going through a real personal trial right now, and I haven't been thankful. I've been angry about it. The Scripture says I should be thankful in all circumstances. So I sat down recently and just made a list of all the reasons I can be thankful and what I'm going through. I confess my sin to God, and now I'm telling you.
And it feels good to be rid of it. It feels good to be in the light. What's God showing you right now? I'm going to ask elders and ministers to take their places in the aisles of the auditorium. We're going to have a season of confession. If you'd like to be baptized into Jesus while we worship, come down to the front. But while these elders and their wives are standing there, here's what I want you to do. If God's putting something dark on your heart right now, I want you to go and tell them. Say, God has revealed this to me. God has shown me there's something in my life that's dark. And I've told him and now I'm telling you. And their prayer for you will be healing. Real Christians aren't afraid to be real. Bogus Christians fake it. Real Christians get honest. And so all around the room now we have elders and ministers. Why don't you come and speak to them and receive healing? If you're ready for baptism, come to the front. We're going to worship now for about five to seven minutes to give us time to do business with God.